Hi, everybody. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, you're welcome in this place. Yeah, Lord, we love you. And Lord, we ask that you'd open our hearts up, open our ears, open our eyes to see uh, what you're saying to us. Lord, help me to declare it clearly. Yeah, and we, we say we, we love you, we thank you, we open up ourselves to you. Yeah, we just come against anything uh, that is hindering, uh, any forces of evil that are, are seek, seeking to disrupt, and we bind you in the name of Jesus. Yeah, and say so you have got no place here. Thank you, God. Well, I'm going to talk about repentance. I don't know what uh, what the word conjures up to you, and I'm hoping that I'll, if it's got any kind of negative connotations to you, the uh, understanding of repentance, then I'll change your mind, I'll change your way of thinking it, and you might, at the end of this time, you won't be thinking, oh, repentance. You're thinking, yeah, repentance, bring it on. <laughs> um, so hopefully many of us have had some uh, original design prayer, and that's been good and beneficial, and um, you, you feel good about that. Um, and that later on, we're going to be praying, not later on today, but uh, in the weeks to come, we're going to be um, moving on into what we call stronghold prayer. And that is really just about uh, asking God, so what is stopping us from um, reaching our original design, from actually walking and living in the way that you designed us to be? Because um, we want to know. And repentance is going to be part of that process. Uh, repentance is, is our friend. It's a, a gateway to... Uh, receiving everything that God has got for us. Uh, I can't put a positive spin on sin, because <laughs> it's not, but I can genuinely and truthfully uh, give, uh, put a positive spin on repentance. Um, so God's desire is for us, we're going to be going through the notes. I'll try and go quite swiftly, because there's, there's quite a lot. There's, they're quite comprehensive. The, uh, many of the scriptures are written out in full. And um, I guess, guess that's why it's quite long. Um, uh, but anyway, that is for, for your convenience. God's desire is for us to be free to develop in the way he designed us to be. We need to turn away from sin and everything that entangles us to receive the blessing and freedom that God the Father wants to give us. Repentance is God's gift to us to enable us to receive his generous blessings of forgiveness, freedom, sonship, and fullness of life. So I'm going to... Um, look back first into the Old Testament. And God ha had a heart for his people. He gave them uh, his laws. And they uh, often went away from those laws. And they, they turned away from God. And they often turned to idols, which were, were worthless. And time again and again, God sent his prophets. And he said, uh, he said look what you're doing. Come back to me. And I've chosen uh, just a couple of... 
of scriptures here from the Old Testament, uh, which I think express God's heart in wanting to turn us back. Because he wants his people to come back to the way that he designed them to be. Joel 2.12 starts saying, That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And uh, many years later, um, during the exile, Ezekiel spoke to Israel and said, Therefore I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Fast forward a few hundred years from that time to the time just um, before Jesus appeared. And another prophet, the last of the Old Testament prophets, appeared on the scene, and his name was John, known to us as John the Baptist. And he had this, uh, this message of, guess what, repentance. And he was sent by God to turn the people back to God and turn the people back to each other so that their hearts would be changed and that he would in every way prepare the way for Jesus. When John the Baptist was asked, so who are you? Why have you come? And he said that I've come to prepare the way of the Lord. I've come to, I'm a voice calling in the wilderness. Um, I've, I've come to make, to fill up the valleys. I've come to make the mountains low. I've come to make the crooked path straight. I've come to make the rough places smooth. And he wasn't talking about geography. He was talking about making a way for Jesus into the hearts of the people. And his message was, uh, was one of repentance. So people flocked to John because they realized he was speaking God's message to his people for the time. When, he, when they arrived, they went down into the river with him and received a symbol of cleansing, allowing them to turn back to closely following God and his paths and making new start with the past put behind them. We need to regard repentance as God's provision of grace and like those people as welcome as a cool dip in the water on a hot day refreshing the soul. And then shortly after that, Jesus appeared. And Jesus was baptized by John. And then Jesus started his own ministry. And the first thing he started to, re, uh, to preach was repent. <laughs> you see a theme coming out here. Uh, Jesus went into Galilee, it says in Mark, but you can also read the same thing in Matthew, uh, similarly in, in Luke and John even. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. 
The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, John had referred to it as good news as, as well, even though his message had been a fiery one, um, saying, um, well, I'm going to read you a little bit of, of what John said. He says, I baptize you with water, but someone's coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. But it is good news because that's what God is doing in us. God is um, getting rid of the chaff, getting rid of the rubbish, and, and making what's left pure so that... Um, so that we can be effective uh, in all that he designed us to be. So Jesus' Jesus's message was a, a message of repentance, and repentance is really important when we first come to Jesus. Repentance is, um, is part of our, our coming to God in the first place and being forgiven of our sins. And if repentance wasn't part of your experience... Uh, in that original turning to God uh, and turning to his ways, uh, then it needs to be. If often in, in recent years, not wanting to talk about sin because it's very unpopular in, in, in today's modern world. But without sin, we haven't got repentance. Without repentance, we haven't got any good news. So this is our good news. We can turn to God and be saved. Okay. Romans 2, chapter 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this, mis- does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Or in the NIV it says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? It's the kindness of God that led us to repentance. And it's the kindness of God now that continues to lead us to repentance. And the message continued on the day of Pentecost. Peter said to everyone when they said, what are we going to do then? And he said, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul in his, uh, in his teaching said, God has begun a, a good work in us transforming... And, sorry, <laughs> he didn't say that. Paul... Uh, continued to, um, to talk about the need for repentance. Um, sorry, I've jumped forward there. Um, Colossians 3, Paul says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I want to do that. I want to learn to become like my creator. I want to become like him. The message that Paul was giving is um, 
words, get rid of, take off what belongs to the worldly nature, put on the new nature in Christ. God's begun a good work in us, so I've, um, going back to a, a, an earlier point. God has begun a good work in us, transforming us and perfecting our faith, and will continue it until the day of Christ. Repentance from sin is an ongoing process. Um, in the book of Revelation, we read about uh, a number of churches that Jesus sent a message to. To three of those churches, he gave the, he gave the command to repent. But in all seven churches, his heart was for them to be victorious. And he makes promises um, towards the end of each letter saying, saying, to him who overcomes, I will give. And he, he promises great things. So in his expectation was that they would follow what he was saying to them, that they would follow through repentance and come in to receive everything that God has for us. Another example uh, would be where Jesus talked about the parable of the, the sower. And I, I talked about this, I think, back in, in January. And Karen probably remembers it well because she stood up here and had three people strangling her uh, to illustrate what happens when uh, our growth uh, is interfered with by the thorns. And the thorns refer to like, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desire for other things. The things that actually stop us becoming bearing fruit. They don't kill the plant, if you remember, but they, they choke it, making it unfruitful. And that's what sin does and that, to us, and that's why we want to be rid of it. We want to see it for what it is, uh, and we, uh, we want to actually become more like our Creator. Hebrews 12 is another example. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so we can run our race with perseverance. I think probably going back into, uh, just for a moment, into the Old Testament, I'd like to read you a passage. And this, for me, really expresses God's heart uh, in, for his people and his desire for them to turn back to, to them in repentance. So I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 30, and this isn't written out in full as you can see in the notes. Um, you can read it uh, in your Bible if you have one, or you can, you can just listen. It's okay either. Go now, write it on a tablet for them, inscribe it on a scroll, that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right, tell us pleasant things, prophesy illusions, leave this way, go off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break in pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly, that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. 
but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we'll ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left. Like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And then God speaks out of his vision for how it will be if he's, when his people turn back to him. And he, he just kind of lets go here. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Then you'll defile your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, Away with you. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day your cattle will graze in broad meadows. I'm going to stop there. Um, you see uh, how you know, God is, is just crying out to them. He doesn't, God never begs, but he does plead with his people and he urges them, return to me. Uh, come back to me. And there's a, a, couple, a couple of little clues in there to how I think he wants us to see the things that are holding us back, the things um, that get in the way. Um, first one, it, it, it says, then um, you'll see your uh, images overlaid with silver. Um, sorry, I think it's your, your idols overlaid with silver. Things that are actually rotten inside, but they look beautiful on the outside. And that's, that's how our sin is. Uh, much of the time, it actually looks quite attractive, uh, and it's not. Your idols, and we have plenty of those, but your idols overlaid with gold. But the gold's only 30 microns deep. Inside, it's not nice at all. And he says, once you see it, once, once you see what you're doing, once you see what it's like, you'll throw it away like a menstrual cloth. Well, that's a pretty graphic image. And <clears throat> it's just something you want to get rid of. You don't want to be showing your friends. Um, so, yeah, this is, um, this is the truth that yeah, God wants us to see. Once you, once you see sin for what it is, uh, you won't want to be part of it. You won't, won't want to have it in you. So now I'm going to move on to part two. Um, part two, so I'm calling this a, a practical guide to repentance. So this is your handbook. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping this is uh, just going to make things clear. Repentance is far more than just saying sorry for individual mistakes and wrongdoings. Although, in a small way, it, it can be that. And sometimes that's all you need. But repentance at the heart of it is a change of heart. Change of direction results in a change of thinking. And it re results in a change of action. And John the Baptist told his listeners, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. 
Repentance is about turning every part of your life, if you like, body, soul, and spirit, back to God and aligning yourself uh, with God's truth. Now, at this point, I'm um, just going to mention, uh, well, in the notes, there are a couple of things there about um, what, uh, what repentance is not. And some people uh, may have associated repentance as if it was somehow the price that we've got to pay to be able to receive uh, God's, God's forgiveness. You, you may have sort of heard of the word penance, and you sort of think, well, repentance is penance. Um, there's no price that we have to pay for our forgiveness. Jesus has already paid the price. Repentance, we need to think of it as the gateway for receiving by faith the forgiveness that Jesus has already bought for us. <clears throat> what? What do you think you're doing? <laughs> oh. oh, well, with friends like that, you know. <laughs> well, what was the point of all that? Um, those that have been to Jesus' ministry will have probably seen that before. But there are many things that actually reveal to us um, things that are in our lives, okay? And what can happen is that during, um, during your life, you come across some pretty obnoxious people, some pretty, pretty rude people, people who, who don't care at all for, for others, and they can and hurt you. But the point is, the water that spilled on the ground, who did it belong to? That's my water. And... We can't blame other people for our stuff, even if they've actually done something wrong. So we can't say, that person has this effect on me. Well, they might do, but it's, or look what they made me do. No, it's, it's your sin that made you do that. That was just a trigger, what the other person did. Thanks, Robbie. <laughs> <coughs> yes, thank you. We need to take responsibility for our sin. Sin patterns continue to have a hold on us while we don't recognize they are there. Even after we recognize them, we need to repent of them. Otherwise, if we don't repent, they continue to have a hold on us. And then, having repented and changed what we do, we need to fill the void with godly behavior. So there's a positive aspect uh, to it. And that's why we, um, we teach uh, these things called the five R's, to have a comprehensive understanding of repentance. I love this scripture in Luke where, and this is about having the right attitude. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner 
in the NIV, this man, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. So we need to come humbly before God, not have the attitude of saying, I'm okay, but to say, God, search me. If we claim we have no sin, it says in John, 1 John, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. The opportunity to, to repent, it's a free gift from God. The only thing it costs you is your pride. And let's face it, you're going to have to repent of that anyway at some point. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what are the five R's? The five R's are, see if you can remember, remember them, recognize, repent. So repent is actually one of the five R's, a little bit confusingly. <clears throat> Receive. It's about receiving forgiveness, rebuke, and then finally, replace. So, recognize strongholds and sinful habits are often hidden to us because of a number of reasons, but our own pride has justified our behavior for a long time. We're so, off, we're so used to living like that that we just consider it normal. Maybe it's the, we're so used to thinking like that, we just think, well, that's just the way I am. And God says, no, it's not the way you are. It's not the way I made you to be. It's just the way you, that, that you've become. Other people often that we see exhibit the same behavior. And so we think, well, it must be normal. Anyone would be like that. Anyone would react like that if, if they were knocked over or they're trying to have a quiet drink. Um, <coughs> and it's also true, I believe, that Satan's strategy and, and the devil and uh, and all demons, uh, all the forces are evil, are uh, very much involved in trying to keep things hidden from us so that we continue to believe lies and don't even realize that we're being deceived. So that's why recognition uh, is important, and that's why it's been given probably the, um, more space here the, than all the others. We need to recognize behaviors in ourselves that are not godly. In Ephesians 4... Um, this is not in the notes. In Ephesians 4, verse 26 to 27, it, it says, In your anger, do not sin. <coughs> um, and don't, don't go to bed while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give uh, the devil any, any place or um, a way in, a foot in the door. Um, and sometimes things happen to us and we react in a certain way, or we start agreeing with something which is untrue, and then the devil's got a foot in the door, um, and that can stay with us for a very long time if we don't see it, and what it does to us, and what the way it, it, uh, it sort of works itself out in the way we live. Um, instead, we need to uh, recognize what's at the root of these things. Okay, um, these can be things that we do, things that we feel, and things that we think. These behaviors, however, are often symptoms of lies that we've accepted and agreed with, or possibly deeper unbelief or rebellion. Um, the good news is that the Holy Spirit, who guides us into all truth, will reveal 
what we need to know if we ask him to enable us to deal with the root through repentance. <clears throat> and there are a number of ways in which uh, we can come to recognize uh, things that are uh, things that are in us that we need to get rid of. We can be waiting on God um, personally. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Um, <clears throat> you might see things in yourself and say, right, for example, you say, when I speak to that person, I always feel like I end up justifying myself. Well, you can blame that partly on them, but actually ask yourself, why do I do that? What is it in me that, that makes me do that? Because there's, and when you see it, you might re realize, I don't want that. Um, that's not the way to deal with it. Another possibility is that somebody with, a, with grace might point something out to you. I'm not giving here in any of this talk um, a license for people to start criticizing everybody right, left, and center. Um, but if you, particularly if you actually give somebody permission, then uh, somebody in the sense of, you know, let me know, or they know that they can speak to you about something, then they might point something out to you. And then stronghold prayer, which we'll, we'll be doing, we tend to actually go from the opposite angle in stronghold prayer and, and ask God, What's at the root? What's at the root? What do you want to say about um, about is what's stopping this person from walking um, in your original design for them? And when God reveals it, then we, we might say, "Lord, please, can you show us how this plays itself out in their life?" Um, it doesn't matter whether you start with the behaviour and find the root, or start with the root and find the behaviour. As long as you recognise it in, and you have the right attitude in wanting to deal with it. And the last one is, um, I suppose, shown by the glass of water. It's our reaction to someone else's bad treatment. And we can't blame other people. Um, we can't excuse our own wrongdoing. Um, and <coughs> we need to take responsibility for the stuff that's in us and let God deal with the other person. <coughs> we need to call sin by its proper name. Um, if We don't, don't try and use a euphemism like frustration when it's really a... Um, a sinful anger, um, and there are another couple of examples uh, in the notes. So the next, uh, next section is the repent part of it, and this is about being sorry before God. So once you recognize it and you see it and you think, yeah, I want to get rid of it, and it can help you a lot by saying, Lord, show me how you see this. What's it like from your perspective? Um, and see how that, that affects you. Um, sometimes you shouldn't be too quick to rush into the nuts and bolts of repentance before you've gone through that step of being able to recognize it. Um, and then we express our desire to God and our will to change. Um, <coughs> in Joel, the passage that we read earlier in, one of, in the NIV version of it says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Rend means to... Know, like ripping your clothes, but uh, God wants to, it to be an inner heart response to him. Um, Paul, in, in addressing the Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8 to 11, I'm not going to read that now, but uh, you can read it in your own time. It's, 
So this is the, talks about the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience. It's, the, it's, um, it's a heartfelt turning back to God. And that it's, it says that if, if you turn back to God in that way, it leaves no regret, only good results. Um, and then repentance breaks the enemy's hold on us. It's not only relational do with our relationship with God but there's also something legal going on so you remember I talked about the foothold if you like the the right that the enemy has had um, to treat us for um, in, in a particular way and in repentance we completely break the power of that um, and so repentance has a, a legal effect if you like Satan now no longer has any uh, any right in that area of, of your life. Repentance is effective because of the blood Jesus shed for us. He has paid the price for our freedom. And finally, I want to just say that um, about forgiveness, which I haven't got time to cover here, um, but if, for example, your sin is unforgiveness, then there, there needs to be forgiveness um, of other people in repentance. You cannot hold on to, to unforgiveness, unforgiveness of others. Which moves us on to actually receiving forgiveness for yourself, which is uh, uh, number three. Um, so, <clears throat> receive, uh, thank God for his, for his forgiveness. So you need to actually go through the process of saying, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you. For that, Psalm 32 starts like this. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. The psalmist knew what it was um, to be forgiven. Sorry, that was uh, Psalm 32, 1 to 5. <clears throat> If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's real, this is true. He cleanses us from all wickedness. Remember what uh, God's heart expressed by Ezekiel. For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. That's another translation of what we read earlier. In repenting... Sorry, recognizing and then repenting and then receiving forgiveness and realigning the direction of our lives. We stand in the legal strength of Christ's victory for us on the cross. Once the legal bit's been done, the enemy has no hold in that area of life. We can simply exercise authority and live in the freedom that Christ has promised. And we've called this section rebuke. This is the number four R. Um, because it's, uh, it's a matter of... of uh, take, uh, exercising our authority um, over the demonic forces, which no doubt have been involved in deceiving you um, and leading you uh, into, into acquiring you know, sinful behavior in the first place. So if we reject lies, 
and the deception they have caused. We renounce diseased and destructive thinking and behavior. We command the enemy to leave and declare they no longer have any influence in that area. And I just encourage you to be strong about this because many people have, seem to have a difficulty when it comes to praying, I've found, that, that, that they don't actually want to even address the um, demonic forces. And you do have the right... When many of disciples, uh, Jesus' disciples came back to him, he said, even the demons submit to us in your name. Don't be afraid of declaring uh, and taking authority uh, over the enemy. So, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. In Galatians it says, it, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So, stand firm and don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And then finally, our fifth R uh, is the word replace. Uh, we choose by faith to set our hearts, minds, and wills on the ways of the kingdom and obedience to Jesus. Um, we need to speak out a new way of thinking and of feeling that we've already entered into by grace. And this is important because when we get rid of stuff, it leaves, um, or it can leave an empty space. Maybe, you know, if you stop doing some things that, uh, that you used to do, then there's a space in your timetable there. But we can apply it, so and that's just on, on our time. But there's also a, um, this, this, is, this is true in the spiritual realm, and there's a, uh, some verses in Matthew here, which I think illustrate it well. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, sweat, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. They all enter the person and live there, and that person is worse off than before. In the uh, Colossians passage that we uh, talked about before, it, uh, that we read before, it it talked about putting off and then <clears throat> replacing that with something. Put off the old self, put on the new self. So we need to take practical steps in this. Uh, I just um, encourage you to take some time to think about what can I do now to replace the thing that I've repented of and I've rebuked and I don't want to have any part of it anymore. Um, and replacement is an ongoing process and it, 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 it can take the rest of your life. Um, but it's continuing to do replace bad things with good things. An example would be, for example, if, if you'd actually repented of fear, maybe fear of people, and God had dealt with that in you, um, then what can you do to, to replace that? Well, one thing is that if ever fear comes knocking at your door again, then you start speaking faith. And then you can think, how, what can I do that actually exhibits faith and not fear? Um, the replacing is actually widespread, the whole person. It takes place in our mind and our imagination. It takes place in our wills, our lifestyle, and our emotions. As John the Baptist said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So that's the five R's, which are Recognize, repent, receive, yeah, receive forgiveness, 
rebuke, and replace. There are some questions at the end which are for um, looking at in the groups. And there's also an extra sheet uh, which I've included, and this is actually borrowed from Christchurch Fulham. And I think it mentions at the top it's to do with octopus and the ink, which is because um, octopuses are known for being able to, when attacked, to uh, emit some, some ink which clouds everything and, and stops them being attacked. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that we attack each other, but I'm saying that there are some defense mechanisms that we often have which kind of cloud the issue. And you might want to look at, if you're serious about following God and dealing uh, with things in your life, you might want to have a look at those. Okay, um, I think it's probably high time we finished and I hand it over to Nita.